You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. Hope everyone had an awesome Christmas. I am uh, joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. We're going to get in here and just talk a little, little Packers ball. Look at him sporting the new Packers gear, man. That shirt's looking sharp, bro. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Happy, uh, happy belated birthday, Jesus. Happy okay. belated birthday. Sorry your, sorry your party was lame. Sorry your party was lame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, yeah. Shout out to Mrs. G, man. She hooked me up. This thing's nice. Keep yeah, nice dude. and toasty here. It gets a little chilly down in the down in the dungeon. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, man. It's the sound. The sound canceling down there is awesome, though, isn't it, man? Because you have no no echo at all. Sometimes I get echo up here, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, man. I, I did a little project, put a little... Uh, studio foam on the ceiling and gotta love the good old concrete h block walls man that'll 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 cut down the echo absolutely man we got uh people hanging out here in the chat i'm not expecting a big crowd today we didn't promote this at all i was scared to commit to doing a show this morning with family still here and us running around like crazy we got some stuff we got to finish up this afternoon but uh Really uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We got Carly Ray in the house. We got Nick McSwain. We got Dead Fish up in here. Steven Smith. Appreciate y'all swinging through. Um, good to see you. Uh, Carly says she's finally off of the uh, the Joe Barry wagon here. Carly says, I felt so – how do you say that, Tim? Hit me with that. Ambivalent. See, these people are way, way too intelligent for me, man, about Joe Barry this season. But this last game solidified it for me. I'm ready to see him go. So Carly was hanging on by a thread, finally got pushed over the edge there. She said, I was not optimistic at the beginning of the season based on Barry's prior track record, but thought he had grown and developed based on the relative, relatively low points allowed by the Green Bay defense. It's definitely the positive of uh, – of the defense or has been. And we've seen that crumble in the last few weeks, obviously with the, all the blown coverages and everything. Carly Ray says, after listening to Mike wall and after this game, it seems pretty obvious that even though it isn't Barry's fault, he definitely hasn't elevated their play to the next level. That's, that's the best way to explain it, Carly. It's, it's what we've been trying to explain all year, but people get so emotionally charged. They don't hear what you say. They simply, if you're not with the mob of fire Joe Barry, fire Joe Barry, then, you know, now had the season turned around, right? Had the defense gotten better as the season went on rather than gotten worse, those people would have been completely quiet, right? But because it's took a turn for the worse in that regard, that's when they're going to get loud. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, it's uh, it's gotten way worse, Tim. Um, you've seen you've seen no improvement whatsoever. Um, I don't think it's in the play call or the scheme. Many people would disagree with that. Um, but these players just aren't ready to go on defense. They're not. And we keep thinking, okay, we get these guys back from injury. 
we're going to be fine. We get Eric Stokes back, we're going to be fine. He's grading out in the 50s. You get Jair back, we're going to be fine. He's grading out in the 60s. Um, and we're going to kind of leave with some Jair talk. But uh, I think Carly, Carly did a good job there kind of walking us down this past season and how she got to the point of, all right, Barry needs to go. I think it's a very, very um, intelligent uh, comment there as far as, uh, you know, that thread. What do you think, Tim? Uh, is that kind of how, how it happened for you, too? Yeah, I agree. And I, the, Carly did a good job of kind of summing it all up. That's the most logical way to put it. Um, notice there was no uh, Joe Barry bashing in any of her comments. I've never had a problem with Joe Barry the way most fans have had a problem with him and feel the need to, you know, personally attack him and, and these kind of things. That's never been the vibe. I'm with you, Clayton. I don't think it's scheme. Um, but I do think that when you're talking about lack of execution, you know, like she said, this isn't all on Joe Barry. You got to put some of this on your players too, but let's be honest, man. Coaches got a coach. We talk about players got have to play coaches got a coach. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, 150, $200 million worth of talent is not going to disappear before the coach is. So he will be the, he will be the first man out. And uh, they're going to work with the pieces they have and bring another coordinator in here and, um, you know, see what they can do. But, yeah, it was clear that, um, you know, I thought the defense played pretty well early on, um, but they didn't have uh, they didn't have their head in that in that matchup entirely. And just like they did in week two against the Falcons, they almost handed this game right back to uh, to Carolina here. And that was uh, that was frustrating to watch. Um, but I don't think it's entirely fair to absolve the offense for, for a handful of three and outs there in the, especially in the third quarter. They kind of came out in that second half, didn't look very great, but we don't want to play the blame game. But speaking from that defensive point of view, that was that was disheartening to see. And, um, you know, who are you going to look at? You got to look to the play. You got to look at the player first. You're going to see the play on the field. But, you know, if you've got a problem with that, you got to look to the to the teacher, to the coach. Right. Um, Absolutely. We've touched on this before that I think Joe Barry is a is a pretty good football mind. I think he, he can call a decent game when he wants to. I just think it's something with his messaging. Maybe it's it, it, he's his message just doesn't get home. I, I think with a lot of these guys, and um, I don't think it's from lack of effort on his part. I just think it's maybe his style of teaching or coaching guys up just doesn't mesh well with uh, you know this personnel group that we have. Um, I mean speculation, but you know, I'll tell you this: I'll, I'll be the first to say it. Um, I wish Joe Barry the the best, and. Uh, Hope that he continues his career. Um, obviously, it'll probably be somewhere else um, and maybe a different role. I don't know if he picks up another coordinator job. But, uh, yeah, it was disheartening to, you know, come out with a win and feel like we lost. You know, leave it leave it to this defense to have us frustrated about a win. Um, but shout out to Andres Carlson, first career game winner. Uh, hit it when it mattered. Shanked an extra point, but uh, was clutch for us when we needed it. Yeah, for sure. Steven Smith in the chat said that defense was tough to watch. Mike Wall helped a bit, but what's the answer? The answer, I think, has been right in front of us the entire time. You know, going into the season, one of the things that I was saying is there, there's got to be a better option at D.C. There's probably a better option with several position coaches. Now, you don't want to just go start scrapping people and make things worse than they already are. And, and, you know, put an end to or a stop to any progress you've created along the way, obviously. With the D.C. situation, you've, you've got to move on, man. You've got to bring someone in to shake things up. And I see people in here, like I'll hit this real quick. 
uh, Ron in the chat. Appreciate you swinging through, Ron, off Twitter. He said, Ed Reed at defensive coordinator. Hey, Ed Reed's still coaching, I think, if I remember correctly. If you know the answer to that, Ron, put it in the chat for me. He was coaching DBs or something somewhere. Ed Reed, one of the smartest football players to ever play the game. People throw Al Harris around a lot, right? I'm not big on the Al Harris pick because Al Harris has never been a DC, nor has Ed Reed. But when you talk about Ed Reed and Al Harris, Al Harris, one of those two guys being potentially the next DC um, or a, a DC in the league, Ed Reed is here and Al Harris is here. Ed Reed had one of the brightest football minds. You don't believe me? Go listen to uh, Bill Belichick talk about Ed Reed. Go watch the football life clip where Belichick and Tom Brady were trying to game plan against Ed Reed. And then you see before the game, Tom Brady was mocked up, and he goes to the backup quarterback, who you guys know the backup quarterback's kind of that guy on the team that he's like the personal assistant to the quarterback. He said, hey, keep an eye on Ed for me today, right? He said, let me know where he's lining up. Let me know where he's at at all times. What's he doing? What's his depth of play? All that, right? Um, it's so important. If you told me Ed Reed would be considered as the D.C., I'd be all about it. I'd be all about it because that dude is a – I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, it's just – he's one of those guys that, like I said, just one of the brightest defensive football minds in the game. I'd really like to know where he's at now if someone could um, point out where he's at. That's the other thing, too. Like, Carly, I, I don't even I don't even know what Nick said here. I'm going to try to do these in order as much as I can. But Carly Ray said, Nick McSwain, good point. Do we know if the position coaches were the same between Barry and Petten? I think he was the D.C. before Barry. There was definitely a, a shakeup there. Um, you guys remember they took our outside linebackers coach to Minnesota. That's the thing, too. Everybody's giving Brian Flores all 100% of the credit for that defense in Minnesota. People forget, you know who the assistant coach is up there? It's Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin is the assistant coach, assistant head coach, and he's basically leading. You understand his position is higher than B-Flow, Brian Flores. Mm -hmm. he's, he's higher than B-Flow. So – you know, Mike Pettin might be in line for a head coaching job here soon if Minnesota's defense continues to improve. Um, I think people that kind of goes under the rug a bit, and it, it bothers me that we don't talk about that more. Like, what could the defense have been if Mike Pettin hadn't got ran out of town, right? And it's another example of you ran Mike Pettin out of town like we're running Joe Barry out of town. Um, obviously, Mike Pettin's had way more success as a defensive coordinator than Joe Barry. But now we're looking up going, okay, Minnesota's defense is pretty stout. <laughs> so, you know, they they scooped him up real quick. You know, I oh. but uh, let's see here. What else we got? There's something else, a couple other comments I wanted to hit on real quick. Uh, as far as the answer, to answer Steven's question, it's everywhere, man. I don't see it as play calling and scheme, right? But the players are blowing assignments and they're missing tackles, right? So what's the answer? You need someone to come in and establish a culture of listen, where it, you know if you're going to continue to play quarters coverage, you got to be willing to shoot your shot on the tackle. The, it, it isn't even like all oh, these guys are being too aggressive and they're missing tackles. To me, they're being too they're kind of being too cautious and missing tackles. They're late to the point of attack and they're missing the tackle. It's one thing if you're late to the point of attack and you're you're making sure of tackles. It's another thing if you're aggressive to the point of attack and you're missing tackles. You can kind of deal with both, of, you know, what, with with that scenario. What's the Mike Wall quote? How you arrive at confrontation determines how you handle confrontation. Absolutely. That's right. And they they're arriving at confrontation like I don't want to screw this up. You can just see it all over the tape. 
Um, that's just my personal opinion. It's the reason you see Quay. You know, Quay's got another 100-tackle season. That's wild, right? People are like, oh, that's a great year. It, what, it, what it also says, guys, is the defensive front isn't playing great run defense, especially when you're playing one gap. If you're playing two gap, everything's out the window when it comes to defensive linemen getting tackles in the run game because their job is to occupy two gaps, right? And and that's how you get people like an A.J. Hawk who had high tackle numbers coming in and cleaning the mess up because these big, big mollies up front were occupying two gaps. When you're playing one gap and everybody's assigned to a gap and your defensive line isn't hitting home in the running game, um, and now your linebackers have high t- tackle numbers, even with that, yeah, you can make a ta- you can make a tackle every play as an inside linebacker if it's six seven yards down the field, and that's typically what's happening against the run. So um, there's Unless no your name's like, Isaiah McDuffie. Yes, yeah, exactly. uh, boy, he was hitting them run fits real nice for us. That was yeah. a shining positive light there. Some Absolutely. some positive out of that defense. Yeah. So Dan on Twitter um, says every time I've heard Mike Wall talk, he blames Jordan Love for the defense being bad. But okay. Show me one clip where he said the defense is bad because of Jordan Love. You're not going to find it. What you're referring to, Dan, is Mike Wall pointing out, you know, if Jordan Love's footwork was better, we'd have 10 wins. All he's saying is, and he's an offensive guy, right? He's a former offensive lineman. He's simply saying, you guys are putting all this blame on the defense and you forget that the first half of the season, it was the other way around. Y'all remember when we could not score points in the first quarter? That's all he's pointing out. What he's pointing out is exactly what he's seeing. If you see it, you got to say it rather than just buy into the whole mob mentality. But, I mean, you're not going to get me on board with, uh, you know, criticizing uh, a former NFL player and pretending like I know more than them for sure. So, um, and he came back again, Dan did, said, ridiculous. They scared, scored 33 points. I'm out on this piece. <laughs> cool, man. Hey, take care. Have a good day. And uh, like the profile pick, man, you look cool with that shirt. Just want to give you a shout <laughs> out. But, yeah, as far as Ron, man, really like uh, the idea of someone like Ed Reed, who if you get a former player to come in and be D.C., you don't have to worry about all this drama behind the scenes. And and since we do have drama, let's go ahead and hit on it real quick. All right. Um, so yeah, Matt Schnobbin, I think, has done a good job. Matt, What I like about Matt Schnobbin, Matt Schnobbin's not a Packer fan, right? I don't like that about him. That's probably the only thing I don't like about him, to be honest with you. But he comes from a standpoint of he's not going to try to uh, approach it like I would where I would be like, I'm trying to find all the positive of the Green Bay Packers, right? He is doing his job as a journalist and trying to get as much information out, right? And I understand diehard Packer fans don't like that. They haven't liked people like Tyler Dunn in the past, which, by the way, he was he was hitting singles and doubles on every story that he uh, covered. We didn't like it at the time. I was critical of him and Bob McGinn. I had to eat crow earlier in the year when uh, when they did trade Aaron Rodgers there at the new calendar year. Um, before, right before they traded him, Bob McGinn said that he was hearing in the building that they were completely done with Aaron Rodgers and they were moving on. I went, that is the biggest crock of BS. Brian Gutekunst told Aaron Rodgers before he went in the darkness retreat, hey, listen, you, if you want to come back, you come back. It's your decision. Take your time making your decision. He comes out of the darkness retreat and finds out they had him on the trade block. <laughs> and I, I immediately went, I'll be damned. Bob McGinn had it. Bob McGinn had it right. You know, um, Goody kind of skated under the radar with that whole thing. He essentially said one thing to Aaron and then went and did the other, um, which, hey, you got to be cold-hearted as a GM. 
Right. I was just going to say that's probably part of a job description for a Absolutely. GM. <laughs> yeah. So we put out a poll. I'm not going to screenshot the poll yet, but I am going to refresh it real quick. This is what I asked uh, Packers Twitter. I said, uh, Packers, a poll question. Jair Alexander was not named a game day captain by the coaching staff. He ignored it and went to the 50-yard line to call the coin toss anyways. Uh, do you have a problem with Jair's decision? Comment why you voted the way he did. So right now, as it sits, I expected this to be close to 50%. Um, and love relax on, on Twitter, man. He he just is the uh, DJ Khaled uh, gif of yeah. eating popcorn watching. You know? <laughs> um, I did this because I thought it would be close to 50% because the feedback I've gotten with Jair, uh, you know, from people, from fans who, who, you know, like Jair is you, you're, you're not allowed to say anything wrong about it. Right. Not that you would want to, you know, he's the highest paid corner in the league uh, to a certain extent, you know, not cap hit this year. They moved some money around obviously, but um, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of look at it and go, okay, you gave the guy the bag. He should a be a top three corner in the league on the field with his performance and B, he should be a team leader. That's kind of the way we see it, right? But for whatever reason, there's some Packer fans that you're not allowed to say anything negative about Jair. So right now it sits, yes, 58.6%. I expected yes to win, and I expected it to be close to 50%. No, 41.4%. So 58.6% of the fan base that voted on this, right now we're up to 345 votes, and we just put it out, I mean, just minutes ago. Um 58.6% of the fan base says, yes, they have a problem with it. And I'm sure they're commenting why we don't have time to read all the comments on the air. But here is kind of what happened and what they're talking about, okay? Um, they being Matt Schneiman. So one com there was two comments that really rubbed people the wrong way, Tim. Uh, Mike Wall quote tweeted it, but Matt Schneiman tweeted out, is it worrisome the Packers gave up 30 points to a two-win team? Jair Alexander responded, yeah, it is, honestly. But we just gotta, we just gotta play the call that's called. So let's translate that. And usually, I don't like to say, "Here's what he actually meant." This is pretty straightforward. What he said, okay? There's no, well, we maybe we're misunderstanding it. He said, "Yeah, we gave up 30 points, but it's the DC's fault." That's essentially what he said, right? So the issue I have with that is they put him in the slot. I think seven snaps. Two of those slot snaps, if I remember correctly, he was in man coverage and he got absolutely torched on crossers. So you're telling me that the play call shouldn't be your number one corner in man coverage in the slot? And I have people go, he's a boundary corner. They're putting him in a position to fail. All we heard last year was let him follow the number one receiver. All yep. we heard from the fan base last year was let him follow the number one receiver and, oh, we should play him in the slot, which I kind of agree with that. Where did we put Charles Woodson? We put him <laughs> in the slot. Right. You put him close to the ball as possible. And that way, when you're playing zone defense, he in some cases, it's if and then with zone match. Not that it was with Dom Capers, 34 zone blitz with all the fire zone going on. But in in this case, he can pick and choose. Do I want to play the curl? Do I want to play the flat? Do I want to play the, the deep hook? Do I want to play the you? He loves the freedom. Right. Of being able to choose Tim. So that puts him in a better position to do that. So the fact, the fact that fans were against him just playing on the boundary in a quarter's coverage last year, and now all of a sudden they're against him playing in man coverage um, and playing the slot, you can't have it both ways, right? So, yeah, that's what happened there with that comment. Now, there was another comment in the whole point of the poll question, right? 
I'm going to play this video real quick, Tim, and I want to get your take. And I know your take is going to be very much, I don't care about this stuff, and I respect that I do. Um, it's something we've got to cover, and I want to get people's take in the comments section for sure. But here is Jair when he was asked about not being a team captain and basically ignoring the coaching staff and going out anyways. Supposed to be a captain because the team announces the three game captains and you were the fourth and you called a toss. What happened there? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's only suiting, you know. I don't think coach knew I was from Charlotte, you know, so. So you just did that on your own? I mean, you remember earlier in the year he said, Me and Coach LaFleur don't talk often? Yep. Now he's saying, Yeah, I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte. I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know, so they didn't. The guys back me up. So what's he saying there? The guys back me up. He's simply saying, "Well, my teammates have got my back on this, not the coaches." You know, I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah. Which, in theory, could they could have said, "Then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off," which you would have lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half. Yeah. No, I told them that. Uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Bro, there are high school players that understand that is like you can really screw the pooch calling the toss like the toss like that. Like, I want the defense to be out there. They like you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Did he, did he say that to you? Yeah, he did. The mic, the mic was on. Oh, what? Well, yeah, yeah, he heard you. <laughs> oh, really? No, he was just like, defer. I was like, yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. Like, everybody was laughing. I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? Like, it's pretty obvious what I'm asking for. So did anyone say anything to you when you got back to the no. sideline? <laughs> See how quick he said no? Let's do it again. Oh, really? No, nah, he was just like, defer. I was like, yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. Like, everybody was laughing. I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? Like, it's pretty obvious what I'm asking for. So did anyone say anything to you when you got back to the no. sideline? <laughs> Why would they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of this tells us more about this staff and their relationship with the players than it tells me about Jair Alexander. This is Ja <laughs> being Ja. I'm not surprised by any of this, but it, it tells us a lot, a lot about how our coaching staff deals with player players. You know, if you've got a, a skiff in your in your organization where the coaches are coaching you up and all right, here's the plan, here's the captains, here's this, here's that. And then the players kind of are like, yeah, well, you know, my boy's got my back. So, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do in spite of what the coaches are saying. And it's like, well, I, that's how I'm viewing all this. To me, none of this shocks me, you know, and I'm a I'm a big Jair guy. I have been. You know, it's, it, there's no secret that I'm a Jair fan, but there are certain things that, um, you know, you just can't un unsee or ignore. And uh, I said it before we went on online today that, uh, you know, Jair's kind of like uh, becoming uh, Dennis Rodman minus the defense <laughs> and, the, and the rebounding. Um, it's one thing if you're going out there and you're playing like top 10 at your right. position. I mean, look at look at Dennis Rodman. Right. I mean, you're a 90s basketball dude. I, I'm like you, Clayton. I checked out of basketball right right around, uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. It got really bad. I couldn't watch it anymore. But uh, in the prime, when when the game was still the, the game, you know, Dennis Rodman did a lot of things off the off the court, on the court, in between the court. But man, did that guy ball out every single time that he played. 
I mean, you never you never had a question. Did did Dennis Rodman want to win or did he want to go play hard? Um, and I think Ja, you know, a lot of this stuff we talk about him avoiding the contact, you know, not not wrapping up, not making these hits, looking a little tentative out there. Sure, he's playing with an injury, you know, and I get that part. But the going rogue and doing your old thing, your own thing like that, I don't know, man. That's not a good look. I I, I voted. Uh, I voted no on the poll. Uh, just, sir, you're supposed to keep your vote within the voting booth. Uh, please. Don't oh, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I voted no on the poll only because um, I'm I'm bothered less than I think most people will be by it because, like I said, I just knowing the type of dude Ja is, I'm not surprised. Um, and normally, the the type of stuff he does doesn't really hurt the team with with the talk. But man, this this had the potential to to hurt the team uh, right away. Um, so, you know, I think it says more about, it says more about this, uh, this staff and their relationship with the, with the players, I think, honestly. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's how I'm reading it, It, but it doesn't shock me that John went out there and yeah, I get it. You're from Charlotte, you know, passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything. No, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 510 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I looked at that going into the game. I said, hey, we're getting job back. Put him in the slot. You know, white jersey game. He, you know, he plays a lot of his best ball on the road. If you look back at his career, oh, look at that. He's, you know, from Charlotte. Wow, it's like a homecoming game. And we got a big old <laughs> from Jair and a lot of yappity yap, yap, yap. So, yeah, you know, it's hard to defend that. Uh, I tell you, the only thing right now, is uh that that can really uh turn things around it i think from a fan perspective if uh fan perspective is if he goes um you know into us bank stadium there and uh shuts down justin jefferson again um but 
I think the likelihood of seeing that is uh, going to be <laughs> a little bit different this year. Um, but we'll see, man. I don't know. I, I, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I think the uh, the comments and the antics say more about, you know, this coaching staff and what's going on with the players. Yeah. And, you know, in this this specific situation, you, you guys know kind of where I sided with Rodgers and the whole thing when he started speaking out about the organization and saying they don't – it's the way they treat the players. And, you know, he gave several examples. Many people that hated on Rodgers kind of ignored that. One of the examples he gave was he said he felt like people within the building need to know the players better, right? And, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. I think you guys can kind of catch on to whose side I'm kind of leaning towards, like – there's no player above the team. I feel that way. But let's just play devil's advocate for a second. Roger said that when he was there, they were it was right around training camp time, and they were coming down to cut someone. And one of the assistants they sit down to cut the player went to Kenny Clark and gave him a slip and said, go see the coach, take your playbook up there. You've been cut, essentially. Kenny Clark was like, I've been cut? Like I'm, It was like his second or third year, and he was a first-round pick. And they were like, what? And Roger's like, People in the building don't know each other. They don't have this true camaraderie. You want that on Sunday, but it's not really in the building. That was just one example he gave. So if we were to play devil's advocate for a minute, that is something within the building that's kind of cultural. You know, we talked about how um, Aaron Rodgers wanted wanted just to be in those conversations, according to him. It could have been more, right? He could have been BSing us, and he was behind the scenes demanding, go get this guy, go get that guy, go get this guy. That could have been the case. I don't know. We're not in the building. But – He's talking about how he was excluded from the conversations. Peyton Manning was included. Peyton Manning would cut people off the practice field. Like that's that's real talk. Tom yeah. Brady had went to Tampa, had all that say, won another Super Bowl, right? Pretty much proved Bill wrong. Like, look, if you'd listen to me, we could get more championships. That's why we're sputtering. Now, since then, you guys know I love Bill Belichick, but man, his roster building has went into the pooper, right? There's no two ways about it. So yeah. um just just kind of Looking at both sides there, that's definitely what we want to do here. I don't want it to turn into a Jair Bash Fest. I want to try to look at it from every angle. But it's it's hard when you when you hear those comments. It's hard for me to go, ah, oh, the player's right there. Probably um, yeah. in the chat says, ha-ha, Dennis Robin, minus the good play. That one hit home with me, too. I got a good pop out of me offline, Carly. <laughs> um, and he's talking about this year, guys. Nobody's saying Jair's a bad football player. We're simply yeah. showing that here's what's happening on the field when he's been on the field. You know, last year I mentioned that he was grading out in the upper 60s, according to PFF. Those last three games he finished pretty strong in the 70s, and that got him up over to 80 on the average on the year, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, when you're paying someone top at their position, you know, it's kind of like what we're going through with Rashawn Gary right now. He's in a little bit of a slump. Absolutely dominated the first half of the season, hitting a little bit of a slump. Everything – is is kind of in conjunction with us talking about this defense getting worse as the year's gone on, uh, you know, specifically in the second half and why there needs to be a change at D.C. But Omer says, Jair never liked contact. He was so reserved on Sunday for any contact, and it was obvious he shouldn't be on the field playing like that. Um, you know, and I think he did make a point, too. He's still playing hurt, um, and that does limit what you can do. I seen him make a couple tackles on Sunday, and I felt like he, you know, he didn't hold back. Um, I don't think he's one of those guys like, no, I refuse to tackle, but I don't subscribe to the people that are like making the highest paid corner in the league, put him on the edge playing quarters and don't put him in a slot. He shouldn't have to tackle. That's just silly to me, man. I would rather you take that money, divide it up amongst two really good players and those two really good corners be able to tackle. 
You know, you can fix two spots instead of one. Dead fish in the chat says hometown game for Ja. He might have been told he could go out there. It's pretty much been confirmed now, Dead Fish, that um, somebody immediately followed uh, said something in Twitter. I didn't get a chance to respond yet, but said something in the Twitter comments that the players told him to go out there. Regardless if your teammates said, hey, Ja, you should go out here with us. Like, that's a slap in the face of the coaching staff. That They picked those captains for a reason, right? It might be that they had a good, a good, you know, week of practice. You know, something that you do, whether it's, you know, sports, business, team building, what have you, is people don't do what they're told. People do what they see and hear edified. So if you've been propping this player up all week that, man, he's playing his rear end off, he's playing on all three phases of the game, he's out there laying his body on the line, he he really cares about the team, he's a team player, hey, he took a took a back seat to do special teams for this, whatever the case may be, and then you say he's a captain, guess what you're doing? You're edifying that player for being a selfless player. People do what they see and hear edified, not what they're told. Yeah. So then when you as a player go, oh, the hell with what the coaches think, I'm going out there anyway. You, you pretty much – And then 35 other guys on the sideline back you up. Not a what good look. What does that say about the locker room? Not a good look. And here's the thing. We wouldn't have even known this, meaning it wouldn't be as bad if Ja hadn't made those comments in the press, in the, in the the you know, with the press in the locker room after the game. That's another issue in itself. Remember earlier in the year, he shouted as he was walking away from reporters, I'm tired of getting scolded for things I'm saying to you guys. And then right after that, he said, me and the coach don't talk much. And then today he says, yeah, I don't think Coastal Floor knew I was from Charlotte. It's these little digs over and over and over again. And uh, Yeah, and, I mean, uh, you know what, though? Nobody cares that you're from Charlotte anymore, you know. You're from Green Bay now, bro. Yeah, honestly. Right. Um, but I get it, though, you know, the whole coming, you know, coming back, you probably got friends and family in the stands, you know, you want to play in front of your your homies. I get it. You know, I can relate to that. Um, but you got to perform, you know, you left everything else out except the performance, you know, you didn't, or you didn't, you, you uh, did everything but the performing part. And that's, yeah. what's, uh, really tough about it. I think, you know, I think you make a good point too, about that. You know, like if your buddies are in the stadium, your friends, your family, all that, yeah, you want to be highlighted, but what it, what it really shows is a low social IQ. And, and that doesn't yep. mean someone is stupid. It actually means totally the opposite in some cases. But with low social IQ, it's you have an inability to understand how other people see you. Yep. And you typically get two schools of thought. Some people care too much about what people think, and others don't give a rip what other people think. Both of those are bad. <laughs> right. right. It's, it's be somewhere high in the middle. social IQ is somewhere in the middle, exactly, where it's like, okay, I understand what I'm putting off here to my teammates, to my organization, to my business, to my customers, whatever it is, and being able to step back and go, okay. I'm probably wrong here. I need to adjust and let's kind of bring everyone together, no matter yep. what the assignment is. It could be a middle school science fair assignment, anything. This is team building 101. Yep. I'm a moron, but I've read a ton of leadership skill books and team building books. And I'm telling you, some people roll their eyes at that stuff and go, oh, God, he's one of those guys. Okay. And then you'll be on Twitter complaining about how your life's in shambles for the next six months. And we're over here smiling and have a group of people around us that are helping one another get through life, navigate the choppy waters. Um, I love community. I love the aspect of working and leaning on other people and allowing you being strong enough for other people to lean on you. Um, those type of things. That's what life's all about. But anyway, the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the, um, 
Go ahead, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I see Adam's comment up here. Uh, didn't realize the whole captain thing was such a big deal. Never heard about it until recently with this team. This has been a problem. I've said this since training camp day one. This weekly captain BS, the rotating circus of who's captains, is a joke. You have a young team. Clearly, it's a big deal who gets to see on their chest. Um, and uh, we don't have that. We have a rotating every week captain situation. Um you know, I think it's very telling that you do give Jair the bag, you make him the highest paid corner in the league, and then you come in the next year and it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not that dude. You're not, you're not the captain. So right away, something, something's funny there. Matt LaFleur talked about being a player led team, which I also think is kind of an interesting approach with a bunch of first and second year players. But, um, you know, they made it a point from day one, you know, training camp, going into the season that they weren't electing team captains for the season that they were going to do this week to week. And I'm not surprised that we saw what happened on Sunday happen on Sunday with the coin toss. I am surprised it didn't happen sooner. Um, you know, that's important. Sometimes that kind of thing is important to, uh, especially younger, younger athletes, you know, because it's a rite of passage. It shows that you have, uh, stepped up or you're, you know, a point of emphasis in your career is that you're a leader out there, but Hey man, leaders are, you know, you just do it, you know, you're not gonna, no one has to give you a, a nice shiny captain's patch on your, on your shirt to make yeah. you the captain. Your, your attitude, your leadership, your play is what makes you a captain. Um, and I just think that, uh, that approach is played out. Honestly, that's something I hope is different next year. Um, and maybe that was the plan. Maybe Lafleur was looking, Hey, Hey, we got this new, uh, new draft class, um, you know, some changing of the guard. Let's see how this team, you know, meshes together this year. And maybe we'll have our our leaders identified going forward. I'm just hoping in 2024, man, we see defined captains um, and, uh, you know, defined leadership. Because right now it looks like uh, too many cooks in the kitchen there. And everyone uh, everyone wants that title. But I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to, to it, to me, it loses its luster when it's different every week, you know, and it, it creates kind of confusion with who's, who's really being the, the leaders in each of the position groups, you know, everyone wants to lead, but no one wants to eat last. And okay. the fact of the matter is leaders eat last. Yep. That's the way it works. Leaders cook the meal and they eat last. Yep. Um, and that's a different concept in today especially when you're giving young people millions and millions of dollars and they think I hung the moon, you know? Um, and that's the job of the coaching staff. Like you were kind of saying to him, people are saying in the chat too, it's their job to connect the dots, to bring those people together. It's a tough job. It's a job I wouldn't want, you know? A lot of personalities in a locker room, especially an NFL <laughs> locker room. And, um, you know, Jair being one of those dynamic uh, personalities you've got to know how to how to get the best out of your players. I don't want to say how to deal with your players like but you know you got to know how to be relatable and you got to know how to reach them. And that's been my biggest critique of Joe Barry is I feel like deep down at the core he's just he's just not reaching these guys and that's why we see this. Yeah. Uh Jair might be the extreme end of the example because he's an outspoken dude and uh you know he's going to drop those comments that allow us to read between the lines. You know, he's not going to come out and say, I don't like these calls and I don't like our coordinator. He's not going to do that, but he's going to get as close to it as he can. And that's what so, we've seen. For yeah, sure. that's what we saw. Adam Block in the chat says, Jire hates Barry's calls. It's obvious. And here's what's here's the problem I have with that, Adam, is what is Barry's calls? 
because immediately people go, well, they just play soft covers. They just play quarters. That Not that you're saying this, Adam. I'm just saying in general. That's not true. They play cover one man. They play cover one drop. They play cover one robber. They play quarters with zone match principles. They play a ton of cover three spinner with zone match principles. They play a lot of spot drop. They play a lot of spot drop out of quarters, out of shell pre-snap. They play it middle field close. Um, they've done everything. I'm going to give you an example here. Um, Rob Demosky does a, does a good job covering the bases here. He really does. Whether you like him or not, I know many people he's kind of rubbed the wrong way. I think he does an excellent job covering the team. Um, Rob Demosky tweeted out, after getting gashed the last two weeks playing a heavy dose of zone, remember before that we've seen a lot of man coverage. And even though it was a heavy dose of zone, that final drive against the Giants where they gave up the game-winning field goal, they actually played – there were seven plays. They played man coverage six of the seven times. So there was a heavy dose of zone, but they switched up, made the adjustment at the end. Keyshawn gets burned for 32 yards, ball game, right? We talked about that on Chalk Talk. So he says, Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry tried a different approach yesterday versus Carolina. It didn't work. Bryce Young had his best day so far. Barry tried the following per ESPN Stats Info and Next Gen Stats. He went on to say, he blitzed on a season-high 44% of dropbacks. Young was 3 of 10 versus it and the first three quarters four of six with two touchdowns in the fourth quarter um went man coverage on a season high 64 percent of dropbacks i'm gonna say that again we played man coverage 64 percent of the dropbacks on sunday young was eight of 15 98 yards versus man the first three quarters then seven of nine for 90 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth okay so back to your comment adam Jair hates Barry's calls, and it's obvious. I agree with you there. He seems to always make a snide comment like, yeah, we're just playing the calls that are called. He played. He's played zone heavy. He's played man heavy. Now he's blitzed heavy. My question is genuine to anyone who agrees with this sentiment. I don't think Adam does. He's just pointing out the obvious. What the hell do you want him to call, guys? He has called everything, and it's, well, I just want him to play closer to the line. They did that, and it cost them the win against the Giants. I'm still convinced if you stayed in quarters look and you played zone match, they probably get six to seven yards down the field. If Carrington doesn't get, you know, is the is the only of 11 players on the defense that didn't get that play call from the far sideline, if he doesn't give up that cushion and allow him out of bounds, guess what happens there? They're, the clock's running. They're going to be trying probably a 60-yard field goal as opposed to a chip shot that you gave up playing – aggressive cover one man or that game ends kind of like this last one you they just run out of time it's close and they just run out of time see that's the perfect example and and immediately people's responses were well golly we're lucky the clock ran out that's called understanding the clock is your opponent and we're still not happy with the win right and I get it. The defense, we got to have a change. We got to have something shake up within the defense. But we all know this, and, and we keep beating this dead horse. You know, like over. I don't think there's any Packer fan that thinks Joe Barry has a job next season. So no, no. stop with the fire Joe Barry nonsense. I called it too. I knew, I knew if this defense had any struggle whatsoever, we would see Twitter go nuts, and everyone would be calling for Joe Barry to be fired on Christmas Day. <laughs> and it's like, I've got to the point now where it's not going to happen, guys. Buckle up, big guy. Uh, you know, put your big boy pants and your big girl pants on. There's two more games with Joe Barry at DC. Deal with it, like it, hate it, love it. Be somewhere in the middle. He's yeah. not getting fired before the end of the year, so just just stop already. 
I've got to the point where when someone says fire Joe Barry, I just respond with that's an original take. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah. It's just, I don't understand, you know, whatever. Reef in the chat says, I believe it was okay uh, with what Jair did. He floated in between the lines. So Reef says there's nothing wrong with it. Appreciate it, man. Respect your opinion, buddy. Um, Nick McSwain said, yeah, you got to actually play the call that's called, not just get burned all day. There was two times he got burned in zone coverage where take all these comments as you will. Let's let's pretend like none of this matters, right? The call on these two specific plays, forget the man coverage calls where he got absolutely scorched in man coverage. Man coverage is one-on-one. Your only job is to cover this guy. No matter what he does, you stop him. Here's your chance. Here's your spotlight, hero. One-on-one, stop this guy. He got torched, absolutely torched. And then it's back to, well, I'm hurt. Okay, got it. So we've got an excuse baked in for everything. No excuses baked in for Joe Barry. We won't accept any. <laughs> but a player like that, okay, you can you can have whatever excuse you need. Um, the zone calls, he was deep third. Guess what he did? He bit on the underneath double double move yeah, and got burned deep. Yeah. Luckily, he rebounded and broke the play up. And then was celebrating. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it's like, woo, got lucky on that one. The ball hit you in the back. You got a minus back of your jersey. If Vince Lombardi's grading that play, you got a minus two, and you're celebrating like you won the Super Bowl. Like, what are we doing here? The reaction should have been, "All right, my bad, my bad. I got, I got next. I'm gonna play schematically sound." It's just these are the little things that, as you learn the game and you learn to key in on, that's that's really telling the story of the game, not the box score. And darn sure not what the the mob says on Twitter, which is fire Joe Barry. Uh, Nick McSwain, yeah, you gotta you gotta actually play the call that's played. Um, play the call that's played, not just get burned all day. It's exactly what we talked about. Uh, Adam Block said, "I love Jair, but he's no Woodson." And and I always I should have I should have prefaced it with that, Adam. I wasn't saying, "Hey, he's Charles Woodson's level." I'm simply saying, if you had to pick a player on this defense in the secondary, who would who would the Charles Woodson of our team be? I know the answer is we don't have one. Who's the closest? You would think it's the highest paid guy, right? That's uh, that's all I'm saying there for sure. Um, Reef in the chat says he really had Randy Savage shades on. He did. He had the Macho Man shades on, which I don't have a problem with that stuff. I kind of enjoy it, to be honest with you. Um, Mike Hebring, uh, super fan, says, is there a more overrated player on this team than Jair? So you can kind of see people in the chat, it seems like it's uh, it's more so leaning towards siding with the team than the player, but there are several – here in the chat. And this is why I want to do this. I want to give you guys a voice. I want to hear everyone's mm-hmm. opinion and kind of see where we're at. Smug Industry says, this is overblown in my opinion. There you go. He thinks it's no big deal. Um, Carly Ray says, yikes, causing contention between coaches and the players can seriously damage the future of these rookies. Jair's got to go and surprise the emoji. And, and I, I know exactly what Carly's saying there. She's not, she's not saying that like, get rid of Jair. Yeah, this is it. She's like, I can't believe I'm saying what I'm saying, but that's kind of where we're at. Is like either the coaches have got to go or the players got to go. You, you know, another one, another disconnect too. You know, we always, I'm not sitting here like I've got the answers. I'm always trying to find the answers. Like, okay, what, why does this defense keep doing this? Dom Capers into his air, Mike Pettin run him out of town. Now it's Joe Barry's gone. Why do we keep doing this? Think back to Mike Pettin. Do you guys remember the first half score that we gave up to Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship when Mike Pettin was a DC? What was it? It was Kevin King botting underneath and allowing them to score on a on a play right before halftime, right? Pretty much lost you the game. Middle eight, we talk about it all the time. 
that's the same. That's a different DC, but we have the same issues happening. Why is that? Because of the way we draft. Why do we keep taking these corners in the first first round? High athletic school, right? Nobody, when they drafted Jair, I don't know of anyone who was saying, that's the best corner on the board. Everybody's like, that's a goody pick. Man, okay, maybe he hit one here. And we believed he did early on. I think he still did, not with all the negative that's coming with it, though. That's tough. Mm -hmm. You know, Kevin King, same thing. Tall, you know, high athletic score. How'd that work out? It didn't. Darnell Savage, right? High athletic score at safety. How'd it work out? It hasn't. Now, who has been our best defensive backs? The one that comes to mind, Russell Douglas, right? Low athletic score, low profile, right? You go out That's and get him, off the trash heap. get him off the trash heap, and then you decide, ah, he's not that valuable to us. Let's flip him for a third-round pick. Um, so we can or, draft another, another corner. Another high athletic corner. I'm just saying – this is years of looking at this and going, what? I'm just like you guys going, what the heck is the disconnect here, man? What's going on? That's the only thing I can come up with. It's how it's the same thing in run defense. The run defense has been bad since Dom Capers left. Mike Pettin, the run defense is bad. That 49ers game, too. Remember how many rushing yards they had? Holy cow. Do you guys remember Colin Kaepernick running all over us and that running game? What's, what's the only thing that has continued through – all of these DCs, how we draft defensive players. What do I mean by that? Up front, how, what do we draft on the defensive front? We draft pass rushers. On the backside, we draft high athletic. We draft high athletic score all the way across the board, don't get me wrong. But you can tell they key in on defending the pass. And that's how you're getting ran over. That's that's why teams are – you've got people blowing coverage on the backside. This is my best guess. I could be wrong. you got people blowing coverage on the backside because we're, we're choosing high athletic score over football IQ, you're getting they get the lead that way, and then they run the ball down your throat and control the clock the rest of the game because you're drafting pass rushers on the defensive line. That's the only thing I can come up with. I could be way out there in right field and dumber than a brick and, and totally off on this. I understand that could be the case. It's the only thing my narrow little country redneck mind can wrap around and go, that's the only explanation I've got. And if that's the case and you're building your roster that way, then how should you call the game? Bend but don't break. Let's try to keep them negated to field goals. Let's jump up in the score and force them to pass so we can get after the quarterback. The problem is your secondary can't cover one of the worst receiving cores in the entire National Football League. I think we also have to remember as a franchise, we are uh, we're an offensive franchise. We always have been. You know, we're about quarterback play, offenses, Lombardi sweep, putting tutters on the board. We're not pittsburgh we're not baltimore there are certain franchises that have an emphasis that are defensive first uh mindset and green bay is not one of those we are going to look to score points put a good offense out there and do our best to field a good defense sometimes we hit sometimes we miss more often than not we've been missing um you know that 96 super bowl run that was a pretty good defense pretty damn good defense like number one in the league defense. Um, but I haven't seen that since it's been a while. Um, you know, mid two thousands, we, we had some defenses, had a nice draft with, uh, Clay Matthews and BJ Raji. That was a cool draft, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's been a while. And, um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. When you have a top five offense, 
at least top five scoring offense, and you've got somewhere around a top 10, top 15 maybe defense, you give yourself a chance to contend for a Super Bowl. But you can't be bottom half in either one of those categories and expect to find any success. So I think drafting has a big uh, a big deal um, as far as a contribution to, to this whole scenario. But there's other factors as well. And uh, you're right, you can't just pin it on the D.C., you know, if uh, if Barry's got to go, I think there's other other coaches that got to go too, and it might be time to maybe not clean house, but it might be time to tidy up a little bit, a little spring cleaning. <laughs> I was trying to find a clip of Patrick Queen. It was either Patrick Queen or Roquan Smith because people were talking about Baltimore in here. I'm gonna get the chat cleaned up, and I want to I want to hit on that a bit about scheme. We were gonna hit PFF grades. I got to change the title again, Tim. I'm gonna have to start just putting the title with what we're gonna lead off with because when the chat takes over, I want to lean on it. And uh, yeah, we oh, got. Yeah, we've been going for almost an hour, and we haven't hit anything. <laughs> exactly, but it's good. This because I want the show to be about what do the fans want to talk about? What do our fellow fans want to talk about? You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. If it, if it had just died, people in the chat say, "I don't want to talk about this." Okay, okay, cool. Let's move on to PFF. You know, but I got to do better at whatever we're leaving with. That needs to be in the title because I know there's going to be somebody go. You said the title was this. You didn't talk about it. I'll change it as quick as I can. I'm sorry. I told you I'm I'm dumber than a brick, and I'm doing the best I can here. All right. We're figuring this out together. Nick McSwain said, I think the coaches do well with the players, but Jai is just a bit out there. Um, you know, some of the best players in the history kind of march to the beat of their own drum, though. You know, Charles Haley, one of the players. I don't want to go down that. See, this is how we end up going an hour and a half. I'll I'll go down a 10-minute talk about Charles Haley and the Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers and how Bill Walsh found him and is scouting. He watched one play and said, That's our like I, I can't do it. That's okay. We got plenty of that lined up for offseason talk, right? That's and then right. as soon as the offseason hits, I'll have a brain fart and we won't get to anything. You watch. I'll, I'll forget everything we've ever talked about. <laughs> Mike Hebring in the chat says, I agree with Tim. It's not a good look for the coaching staff. It really isn't. You can't. There's no positive out of any of it. There isn't, man. Um, Freddie Roper says, Alexander been getting cooked. He has. Is it the injury? It's kind of like what we said with Devondre Campbell. I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to kind of right. look at it from every angle, you know. Um, Nick McSwain in the chat said, maybe actually talk to the coaches and tell them if they don't know. Don't just go rogue. That's a heck of a heck of an idea, Nick, that he could have just went to the coaches and said, hey, man, you know, it's my hometown, Charlotte. Do you, do you think I could be a captain? I Listen, I have too much pride to do that. Right. I would be like, okay, you don't, you're not going to name me captain? This is how I would think in the back of my mind. I don't want to do anything to hurt the team, winning above everything else. But if you don't want to make me a captain in my hometown, I'm going to go out there and make you look silly for not making me a captain, meaning I'm going to ball out, right? Kind of took the opposite approach yeah. to be honest with you but i agree with you there's nothing wrong with more communication the fact that he's saying the coach don't talk to me much tells me you don't talk to the coach much either right it goes both ways if the coach is ignoring you then come out and say i've tried to talk to coach floor he won't talk to me that's on coach LaFleur. there's nothing wrong right. with coming out and saying that hey i want out right but this whole little playing petty behind the scenes is just silly um g-dog said i'm speculating jire is looking forward to jefferson he lo he loves being in the spotlight we, we are looking forward to it. I don't know about you, Clayton. I'm not looking forward to that. Hey, are you looking forward to that matchup? Because if I'm you're only you, as good as your last game, oh my goodness. You played man coverage 60, in for this one. You played man coverage, what they say, 64% of the time. If I'm Joe Barry, I would go to Jair and say, all right, big dog, here's your shot. You want to throw everybody under – and I'm getting angry now. You want to throw everybody under the bus? You want to you wanna basically tell – your teammates, I don't care what you did this week to earn captain right. I'm going out there anyway. You want to say we're just playing the call play, saying that I don't know what I'm doing. Here's what we're going to do, big guy. 
one-on-one, man coverage, 100% of the time against the Vikings, you have got Justin Jefferson. Go shut him down. Play press, play off, play wiggly-waggly, whatever you want to do. It's your defense. Go be the hero. Let's see it. And let's see if he steps up and does it. I agree. And if he does it, then shut up. I agree. 100%. It's, it's almost like the same kind of approach, you know, minus all the extracurricular we were talking about with Don Wicks. It's like, we, you know, you were begging for like, let's just make him the one and let's, you know, target him and see, see how this kid responds. And it's like, yeah, we're in that position with John now because we've had a lot of the yepity, yepity, yep, yep, yep. And not a lot of the execution on the field. So yeah, throw him into the fire. The best players respond when they're, when they're thrown into the fire, you know, we talk about Quay Walker's uh, rookie season thrown into the fire. Hey, go be a Mike linebacker. Here you go. I think all in all, considering the circumstances, Quay had a pretty good rookie year. Um, you know, the the good players, the great players, they find a way to respond when they're challenged. And I'm 100% with you on that, Clay. I would go right to him. I mean, that's almost like, you know, one of those, like, put the helmet on, go out to the practice field. You almost want to come over and grab the face mask and get in his face and go, hey, you're the dude. You're the dude this Sunday. You know, you want you want to be captain? You're captain Sunday. We're man press on Justin Jefferson. Or if you want to play off, we're giving you that freedom, right? Play him how you want to play. We want to see you shut him down again. And let's see what happens. I, I totally co-sign that. Get me fired up, Clayton. Because I've am i been waiting all year to see a Jair game, man. Right, right. You know, Ja, if you're listening, bro, we've been waiting. We've been waiting, <laughs> man. We want to see it. We know what you're capable of. We've seen it before. Right. We want to see it again. And, and, now and man, do we need it right now because we need a dub. And now that we're playing all this man coverage for you, like, where's it at? You know what I mean? That's not to pile on, but Ron in the chat says, what scheme do the Ravens run? Everybody's excited about the Ravens. You guys remember I mentioned them a couple weeks ago. Everybody was excited about Dallas. Now Dallas is getting run through the ringer because of their run defense. You know what I mean? So the thing about Dallas's defense, I know the question is about Baltimore. Um, and like I said, we're, we're going to kind of hit on that, especially as soon as the call is made to get rid of Joe Barry, then we're going to really start to deep dive. The thing you see in Baltimore, the clip I was trying to find, I, could, I couldn't find it. It was on the field, and it showed Roquan. I think it was Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen attacking the run. And I, I had it quote tweeted, and I just decided not to send the tweet. But I want to say, when was the last time you've seen our linebackers attack like this? Because I'm telling you, Tim. It was violent. It was no hesitation. It was straight to the point. It was point of attack, blew the whole play up, jumped. I'm like, I have not seen a linebacker play like that in a very, very, very long time, especially in the inside. A.J. Hawk was close, but they harnessed A.J. because he played Jack Backer within yeah. the 34 scheme. It was a whole different approach. It was let the mollies clog up the two gaps. You come in and clean up. It clean wasn't up, just right. a downhill attack, right? Um, but – uh yeah, I was wondering which played to his his strong side as a game because he was a tackling machine. I mean, right? The guy probably missed six tackles his entire career. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't quote me on that. I'm exaggerating, but you know, <laughs> there's logic to what you're saying there when you got a guy like that. You know, right? There really is. There is. Uh, as we wrap up here again, Mike Wall quote tweeted match time, and here's what Mike Wall said. Here's the thing: when your big money guys are in the locker room talking down about the plan or the calls and they are out there making themselves captain, you have an authority problem, or you're about to have an authority problem. Um, culture, man, culture. Everybody said the culture was going to change when Aaron left. Aaron was a problem. 
had a culture issue in the building. Ain't nothing changed, man. Um, it, I respect Mike Wall's opinion. It amazes me how many fans were commenting on that because, like I said, you can't say nothing negative about Jair. They're like, oh, Mike Wall's just making it okay. But, man, you can go after Joe Barry all you want, right? You can say right. anything negative you want about that. Mike Wall spent, what was it, 10 years, seven to 10 years? I can't remember how many years it was in the league. Made a Pro Bowl playing mm-hmm. guard at over 300 pounds, putting his freaking body on the line week in and week out. And we just yep. got rando fans going, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, if you were to just have a conversation with Mike offline, X's and O's, and everything that goes into just playing O-line, he would walk circles around people. I'm just yep. telling you. Like, same thing with Joe Barry. That's what gets me is like people are – Joe Barry's a moron. He's an idiot. He's the, I would love to see him sit down with some of those fans that say that and just in a room and let's record it. I would pay for it. Pay-per-view. I pay a hundred bucks. I'd throw a Benny down and go, I want to watch this. I want to watch a football debate between this rando and a DC. Right. Yeah. And laugh every time he says you're let's, let's say he's the worst defensive coordinator in the league. I don't personally believe that. I think he's in the bottom third, but let's say he's the worst. You take the worst, you take the worst DC in college and set him down with someone like me. And they're going to make me look stupid. Yep. How in the world people have the ego to comment as if, you know, I know more than them. It just blows my mind. Well, Clayton, anytime a DB is, you know, more than three yards off the ball, man, it's prevent defense. You didn't know that? That's pretty- <laughs> That would be fun to see that conversation, you know. Why are you always in prevent? And then Joe's like, uh, do, you, do you know what prevent defense is? <laughs> <laughs> They have, no, they have no it's just like they had no clue about the two down linemen right know? same thing right. yep uh ron samble in the chat says love it clayton um i guess they like seeing me show my rear end and make a you know embarrass myself uh, coach monk says show that passion baby um it's just it's frustrating man it is i don't mean to i i said when we started the show i don't want this show to be about my opinion i want it to be about here are the topics what do you guys think that's just pta in general when we lost it i have failed miserably at it but people evidently want to hear my opinion. So as I'm being coached, it's uh, you got to do what they want, not what you think, not what you're boring, as Mandy would say, stick in the mud self. Thanks, everyone else wants to hear. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, yeah, so let's see here. Uh, Omer said, I agree with both Clayton and Tim. Appreciate you, Omer. Um, yeah, here's Jim. Look, stop defending Barry. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> We, we just spent the entire show bashing Barry that he's locked a lot. One, one freaking remotely nice thing about him, and now we're <laughs> Joe Barry defenders. Fire Joe um, Barry. That just tells you that Jim hopped in here at the last second and heard us say one one negative thing about a player. Oh, you love to see it. Uh, let's end it with this right here. And, and I've come to the realization that you can't make everybody happy. I'll just say that. Like, I, I get emails that say, hey, you're too positive. I get others that saying stop the negativity. So, um, I don't know what to do, to be honest with you. We'll just yeah. uh, keep on trucking and do the best we can. Here's what I do know is right. Matt Schneidman tweeted this out. Rookie tight end Tucker Craft from South Dakota State seems to be breaking the Brian Gutekind's third-round curse. He has 12 catches for 181 yards and a touchdown in the last three games. Chatted with Kraft postgame and asked about his recent string of production. Think of everything we just talked about with Jair Alexander. And here's Tucker Craft. Here's his response about, hey, look, man, you're playing great. This is a guy who's playing good, Tim. He's playing good. He deserves the praise right now. This is his response. 
honestly, I don't step out on that field and do anything for me. Just try to be there and be a guy for my teammates. Be a guy for the coaches. You think he's not sending a message right now? I want to be a guy for the coaches, and I think it's that simple. You go out there, you run every route like you're expecting to catch the ball, you block every block like you're you're the point of attack, and good things will happen to the team. You just owe it to yourself, you owe it to your teammates to just give your best effort every single snap. Tucker Craft for defensive coordinator. <laughs> there it is. That's the type of stuff you need. Yeah, can he play linebacker? You think he could play Mike, Mike or Sam or Will <laughs> linebacker, man? It's just I'm sorry. I'm the contrast, Tim. The contrast is yep. like that's the type of guys you want to build a roster around right there. Um, that is what you build culture around. Think about the last Super Bowl we won. Who were the team leaders? on the 2010 Super Bowl team? Who were the team leaders? If you uh, were to say Woody, those uh, are the captains, who would it be? Charles Woodson right there at the top. Clay right? Matthews. Clay Matthews Young. I don't know if I would put him as a leader, but boy, you talk about leading on the field, you're exactly right. That's what I'm talking um, about, right? Yep. I'm thinking Charles Woodson on the offensive side of the ball. I want to say Aaron, but Aaron was still pretty young too, right? He, he was definitely a leader, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you didn't you have – did you have Donald Driver on that team? You did. Sure did. Donald Driver wasn't a huge contributor, but someone who was a seventh-round pick, overachieved his entire career, team player, went to Ted Thompson when the contract wasn't getting done and said, hey, man, let's figure this out. Let's yep. meet him. Forget the agent. Forget the the cap guru that you guys have on staff. Let you and I sit down and say, how can we make this work? That's a leader. Those are the type of guys on that team, right? Yep. Um, you, you need someone like Tucker Craft to kind of grow into that. Think of this. Think of the other young tight end, Luke Musgrave, saying, hey, football players play hurt all the time. While he's bleeding internally, he didn't want to come out of the game. And we got a guy that didn't go on the IR for six weeks who is now calling out the coaches, calling out, you know, like putting your teammates in an awkward position, like, well, they have my, my teammates have my back. What he just said to the coaches is, you got a bigger problem than you think you have, buddy. The players are on my side. That's basically what he's saying. So, then you yeah, got I'm sure there are some players in the locker room going, well, uh, not all yeah, of us. I'll tell you one who's like that, I guarantee it, is Aaron Jones. Yep. Aaron Jones is one of those leaders. And Aaron Jones looked like himself yesterday, guys. We're going to wrap it up with this. We're over. But uh, I want to hit this real quick. This is Brian Baldinger talking about Aaron Jones looking like the old Aaron Jones. Let's hit it. All this Packers offense missed Showtime Jones. This is basic cutback right here. Go to the left. And then just read the color right behind your right tackle, Tom right there, 10 yards. Very next play. Next play, here's the exact same play. Here it is. Cut back. Here it comes. Good push all the way around. Kraft, Runyon, Tom. Craft. And there he goes. On to the safety. You watch this right here. I don't know how he escapes the soup here. Like, it's really thick. Like, thick Sunday afternoon pea soup. And he gets through there. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Stiff arms. Like he looked fresh. He looked fresh and he looked fast. Like power football. Let's pull Elton Jenkins here. We'll get a good seal block right there on Brian Burns and gone. Breaks the tackle. He's off to the races. This is exactly what this Packers offense needs. It needs this type of explosiveness out of the backfield. Like this guy doesn't miss a hole. Like you might miss that block right there. Bam. Right through Von Bell. It was good to see Showtime running. Been a while. I know he played last week, but he got his carries. Best game he's had in over a year. Packers offense needed it. 
Too bad they didn't give him the freaking ball in the second half. You know, something he pointed out, Tim, what's what's the lack of blocking? People were saying PFF was wrong for grading the offensive line so low. Watch some of these blocks here. Like Tucker Craft washes over, but he missed the block just a second ago. Right here's a beautiful one by Elton, right? That's a great block. But watch this next play, though. Watch Sean Ryan right off the bat, and somehow, some way, Aaron Jones gets yards right here. Watch right here. Watch your right guard, Sean Ryan. They split split snaps, basically, okay? 50-50, Sean Ryan and John Runyon. John Runyon screwed one up earlier in this uh, highlight here. I'll try to go back to it. But watch, watch Sean. That is hideous. Look <laughs> at that. That's not – they don't coach that up, right? They don't say that's the technique we're looking for. Completely blew the block, and Aaron still gets something out of it, Right. I'm going to see if I can go back to that other one because I've seen John Runyon blow one too. That Tucker Craft. DeGuara whiff on one right here, that one. <laughs> yeah. I think Let's see if this is it. Maybe this is it. There's one where – yeah, John Runyon. Is that John Runyon? No, this isn't it. Okay. There was one play where John Runyon completely screwed up. Let's see if we can find it here. There's DeGuara diving at nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like the PFF grades were warranted personally. All right, this is Runyon. Watch Runyon pull. Right? Look, you got to finish that, dude. You can't just yeah. chip. You got that's your only responsibility. You know? Yeah. You, did you do the job? Yeah, you did the job, but you didn't do the job good. You you got to know, like. Yeah, you can't block like a, a running back. That's like how a running back chips. You got to wash him out and yeah. pass. Because again, that makes Aaron Jones go, oh, crap, right? I'll tell you what though, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag Josiah DeGuara too much because he had some some huge plays in that game, including mm-hmm. a enormous heads up fumble recovery on that one Dude, that Rob got stripped. I mean I took that, like everything bad I ever said about DeGuara on that play. <laughs> yeah, man. And and to have the wherewithal once again to just fall on the ball. Do not pick it up, do not pass go, do not try to score a touchdown. Um, yeah. So uh shout out to Josiah DeGuara who uh I yeah. thought played pretty good, um, you know, by his standards. You know, one of the better better games we've seen out of him. Yeah. Yep. All right, man, let's get out of here. I just want to say real quick, uh, big shout-out to BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. If you guys would, there's a link in this YouTube description. If you click on that link, that will send you directly to BetUS. You can sign up for free as a customer, and it actually puts us in better standing with BetUS by using that link. If you guys want to support the show and it doesn't cost a dime, that's one way that you can do it. We appreciate you guys doing that. Um, BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. They are celebrating their 30th year in business as America's favorite sports book. Appreciate them jumping on board. Tim, you got any parting thoughts, buddy? Um, yeah, we were talking about Aaron Jones there. Um, we were told before the game that he wasn't on a snap count this week. Um, I don't know if, did he get more touches than last week? Um, I just, I'm waiting for one of these games. You said, what's that? Who, who was you asking about? Aaron Jones. All right, let me look here. Let me get real close to the camera. It's hard to see Aaron Jones this week. I don't know what he got last week, but this week, um, 52% of the snaps. So he had 34 offensive snaps. So. Okay, so that's probably a little bit more. That is a little more than last week. I just don't understand why all of them seem to be in the first half. And then it works and we get away from it. And then our coach acknowledges it. And it's like, man, you're the you're the you're the play caller. Now I understand there's checks and that when you call a play, you're basically calling like two or three plays and you know there's communication. I, I know Jordan has has done it and done it successfully with his pre-snap reads. He's checked out of passes and check to some of these runs that were pretty good. Um, so there's that part of it. But 
it just feels like in early in these games, they really make an emphasis to get Jonesy going and then Jonesy gets going. And then it's like, where, where did he go? You know? And, you know, I'm the first one to tell you, you can't ride a back like that too much. Right. Jones is a guy that you have to, you have to pace yourself, but pace him throughout four quarters, you know, not 30 minutes or 35 minutes of football, pace him out through 60 minutes. You know, it really, man, it was tough because, you ha- if you guys would hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this podcast, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us here on this uh, Victory Tuesday. Hope y'all had a great Christmas. Um, it's tough because you you see the defense. You know the defense is going to struggle, right? They're still battling injuries. you got people underperforming. We talk about it every single week. Stokes got his lunch eight all day long. I know he's a first-round pick. Woo, we got all these first-round picks. We should be better. I got you. Maybe, just maybe, we're missing on some of the picks. Could be. I don't know. I could be wrong there. Um, but you see them kind of come out and it's like passing on first down three and out first drive of the second half, three and out. There was three different three and outs. I think in the second half, if I remember correctly of that game and this, you make these comments, people go, you're defending Joe Barry. No, we're, we're telling the entire story. Right. Joe Barry needs to go. We all talk about it. Beat that horse to death. But you want to talk about not playing complimentary football. That's something that's going on. Every time I seen them come out and pass on first down to him and set them up for second and 10, this was me, man. This was, this was, this was a recap of my response. Really excited. And the next minute, you know, I'm laying on the floor hurting. <laughs> it was, it was so tough. I was just like, what are we, why, why we're averaging 7.4 yards a carry. Why are we being cute? This is, it's it's almost like every week it's we know we're supposed to beat this team, so we need to blow them out. No, you're not supposed to beat anybody anymore. <laughs> Let's win the ball game, and we did. We need to keep it positive. But <laughs> anyway, we better get out of here, man. We're at an hour and ten minutes. I'm supposed to do a little bit of run, and we're supposed to hit the uh, the military uh, cemetery and uh, pay our respects to Mandy's Mandy's papa. So uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. We're gonna get out of here. Tim, uh, you available tonight? You know it. All right, we'll be back tonight, and we'll actually hit the PFF grades. I'm going to get this title changed before I get scolded in the comments. Um, but uh, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, I guess it was a recap, too, though. I think I might have put recap in the title. I may have covered the bases, actually. But Look at that. We had this requested earlier in the show. We hit it one time. We're out. John Deere Green on a hot summer night. Hero Billy Bob loves Charlene. That's right here, boy. Old Mayor is going to end it on a negative note. He says, wait until they fire Barry and don't change the scheme and personnel or bend but don't break. We'll be back on the merry-go-round as it was with Capers <laughs> and Petten. Appreciate you ending it on a positive note there, Old Mayor. Some people are saying, why'd you read it, Clayton? I just felt like it. But, uh, all right. We're out of here. We'll see you all tonight. Appreciate you all hanging out with us. Uh, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.